how big a battery do you actually need to go off grid and get power? If you're camping, boating, caravanning, building a dirty big shed in the middle of the back paddock and let's say you need to run a refrigerator or lights, an air conditioner, you need to cook and or run a bunch of power tools. What exactly do you need to know to get this right? And let's face it, you'd want to get it right because it's a hell of an expensive mistake. Details next. I'm John Cadogan from AutoExpert.com.au and I get new cars cheap for buyers here in Australia. Website for that, or you can just click it now, dude. It's up there, mostly. Got to give the VFX department something worthwhile to do, even on a holiday weekend. Now, right at the end of this video, okay, I am going to share a vital, potentially life-saving tip with you, which I am sure that many of you Dingo Piss Creek visitors do not actually consider before going out there and potentially removing yourselves from the gene pool. In just a few minutes' time, I'm going to run right through the entire ghetto engineering of an off-grid power system to suit yo needs without going totally like propeller head on you. There's going to be some basic mental arithmetic is what I'm saying. So brace for impact, dude. You might want to just you know, grab a couple of tampacks and wad one up for each year just in case. My intention, however, is not to give you an acute intracranial bleed. We're just going to stick with the need to know stuff, okay, so that you can select the right components to do what you need to do out there. We're going to talk about why you need to forget about amp hours and concentrate on electrical energy requirements instead, power, things like that, and then how you assess how much energy you actually need, how much power delivery you need. These are different things, let's face it, and how much surge capacity you need. So this will demystify all of that crap. It is a little bit techy, I'd have to say, but I will endeavor to make it minimally so, all right? You do need to come to grips with all this stuff because these systems are so expensive. If you max out the spend, it's gonna mean that you miss out on that upcoming Celine Dion concert, dude. And you know how much Narelle has been looking forward to that. Just as much as you haven't, I'd suggest. And if you spend too little, you're going to end up taking the Mr. Puniverse of electrical systems into the ring out there with Iron Mike. And that never ends well, does it? So in that case, you'll be doing this twice, basically. The second time, hopefully you'll get it right and you'll be ruining the day you didn't just spend more for round one. This video is sponsored by Bluetti, the purveyors of portable powerhouses such as these. What you're looking at here is the AC200 Max, which is a 2048 watt hour battery inverter system with pure sine wave 240 volts AC output, which is just like a power point at home, basically. There are four of those outlets on board. The unit has 2200 watts of total output plus numerous 12 volt DC output options, including an aviation plug plus USB, including a 100 watt USB-C outlet 
for fast charging a modern laptop and two inductive charge pads on top for your mobile devices. It's very versatile. The full disclosure here, Bluetti did send me the products for review, but no money changed hands and they don't get any say in what I say in this video. If you use my link in the description and pinned to the comments below, I will get a small commission, but that's not going to cost you one cent more. You can use all of the power outlets on the AC200 Max at the same time, or as many as you need, AC 12 volt USB all together, and you can charge it fast from a wall outlet or with up to 900 watts of solar electricity. Actually, you can charge from AC and solar at the same time for a maximum of 1300 watts in, so that's pretty impressive. If you download the free Blue Eddy app, you can drive the unit from your phone, and there's a touch screen on the main panel as well. I'll put a card in the corner for my review on the AC200 Max. I did some steel fabricating here in the Fat Cave with that unit. All the machines that you see in that test are powered up by it. It even managed to run one of my MIG welders briefly using flux core, but only just to gloss over a mistake I made on camera, of course. I had to fill in a hole that went and drilled itself when no hole in that project should have been. Oh, fuck with. Oops, a daisy. So overall, the performance was Pretty impressive. Now, if you don't want to take my word for it, here's a comment on a community post that I did about the unit recently on YouTube from a farrier named Wayne Lawrence. I have taken delivery of my AC200 Max for my farriery business, John, through your link, of course. Runs 750 watt grinder with multi-tool, radio, hand tools, fans, etc. It's awesome, seriously impressed, and I no longer have to be near mains power. I can achieve some pretty technical corrective work on a horse in the middle of a hundred acre paddock if I really need to. Really happy with it. Thanks very much, Wayne. I appreciate you taking the time to let us know, mate. And I'm glad the unit is working out well for you out there. Now, what you see here is my AC200 Max sitting on top of a brand new expansion battery called the B300, which adds a further 3,072 watt hours of storage. Hooked up with this supplied high voltage cable, you're looking at a massive 5,120 watt hours of energy on board, which will keep essential items at home running for a pretty long time during a blackout, for example. You can actually add two B300s to an AC200 Max for a total of 8,192 watt hours of storage. Or if you use the new AC300 inverter module, you can plug in up to four of these expansion batteries for up to 12,288 watt hours, and you can pull up to 3,000 watts out of an AC300. So this kind of thing is modular and portable and customizable to suit the kind of grunt you need. It's hardly walk all over town portable, but you can move it or bits of it in and out of home or from vehicle to vehicle, from your van to your boat, whatever, 
And because of its modularity, you could leave one or more of the big expansion batteries behind if today's assignment can be covered off with, for example, just the AC200 Max. And if a B300 battery module is home alone, when you do that, you can still tap USB power out of it, as well as 12 volts DC at 10 amps. So it's still a battery bank in its own right. And you could leave it in, for example, your caravan powering some small stuff while you go off on a little adventure in the vehicle. These things are a premium product, right? And they are not cheap, I know that but they are high tech and high quality. It's basically a home backup battery that you can take adventuring or working with you. Like, try doing that with a Tesla Powerwall. All of these batteries are the lithium iron phosphate type, which means they're stable and durable. You can get three and a half thousand cycles out of them, basically, which is a full discharge and recharge daily for almost 10 years and hardly anyone who owns one is going to do that. After three and a half thousand cycles, storage capacity is looking like being 80% of what they started with new. So hardly worn out at that point, even after a decade of pretty hard use. So that's quite encouraging. Anyway, link in the description and pin to the comments below. There's an end of financial year sale on right now until June 22 with some solid discounts and bonus offers. I've used three Bluetti portable power stations now, from the tiny little EB55 to the big fat AC200 Max, and I've been doing that for several months now, and they have all functioned flawlessly for me. I've overloaded the AC200 Max several times in testing, welding with it, and it just protects itself by tripping and resetting without needing, you know, counseling and endless medication for the next several months. So I guess in that respect, it could be classified as properly superhuman. Before we get cracking properly, the pointer du jour, I'm very pleased to say, is the mighty King Dick 46 millimeter flogging spanner. And what a delightful device this is to hold in the hand and jam the point home, I must say. The mediator, the ultimate mediator in many situations. Anyway, the first thing you've got to do if you want to come to grips with batteries in the 21st century is to get amp hours and place them where they deserve to be, which is in the bin because they are entirely unhelpful. In the modern world, you've got, you know, USB devices and legacy 12-volt devices and plenty of 240-volt AC devices that you want to take with you. And if you only think in amp hours, it will just confuse the shit out of you because amp hours evolved organically from the olden days when vehicle electrical systems were 12-volt and people who went adventuring, there weren't that many of them. There was Mike and Mal Leyland and Albie Mangles and that was about it. And they had to have 12-volt devices because that was the only flavour of electricity available to them in vehicles. That's how batteries were. Lead acid was it and electronic inverters were a thing of the future back then, okay? So now we've got all of that different mix and the amp hour thing only works if the volts are the same. Let me prove it to you. This is a five amp hour lithium ion battery for a power tool. This is a five amp hour lithium ion battery for a friggin' 
power tool. They're both 5 amp hours, and yet this one seems to be roughly twice as big as this one. What gives? Okay, this one is 18 volts, and this one is 36 volts. You don't need to be a rocket scientist to figure out that there are twice as many cells inside this big one. It's got twice as much energy on board. It runs gruntier yard type tools than drills and conventional sort of power tools for carpentry and home maintenance and things of that nature, which this one is designed to do. So if you just think in amp hours, you will be ultimately very confused when the voltage changes because nothing will make sense. So you have to have a little look at this equation here. We have to go from amp hours to actual energy. Amp hours are not a useful unit of energy at all, okay? We need to transition to watt hours, or at least you do, okay? And it's really simple. Watt hours of energy are amp hours on the side of the battery times the voltage of the battery. So when you look at this one, 5 amp hours times 18 volts equals 90 watt hours of energy. When you look at this one, 36 volts times 5 amp hours is 180 watt hours of energy, which would account for why this one is twice as big as this one. So you have to stop thinking in amp hours and start thinking in watt hours, which will make it much easier for you to assess your power requirements into the future. Now, I know these are not the kinds of batteries that we'll be talking about for RVing and off-roading and things of that nature, but it illustrates the principle. What you'll be doing is thinking about 12 volt batteries and how well they might supply various 240 volt and USB type devices. So. A 12 volt battery at 100 amp hours rating is 1200 watt hours. It's 12 volts times 100 equals 1200 watt hours. Or if you think like an electricity bill, it's 1.2 kilowatt hours. So hold that thought. So here's an example of how you're going to use that, right? Let's say you've got a pedestal fan or a fan on a bracket in a caravan or you've got a fan that you want to use under the awning in your campsite on a hot afternoon or something while you're trying to escape from the sun. If you've got a 12 volt 100 amp hour battery, that is your electrical supply fundamentally, right? And you want to run a 180 watt fan that runs on 240 volts AC. You already know the power here, 180 watts, and you want to know how long it's going to run. Well, you just do it like this. Your battery, like the example on the previous page, 12 volts times 100 amp hours is 1200 watt hours. And then you just divide that by the 180. You get watt hours divided by watts equals hours. 1200 on 180 equals six and two thirds, which is six hours and 40 minutes. So if that's your battery, that's roughly how long the fan is gonna last. Now let's just say maybe you've upgraded this time, twice as big a battery, 12 volts, 200 amp hours, and you want to run out on your construction site in the middle of nowhere to pour a few footings or something, you want to run a 500 watt concrete mixer, 240 volts, okay? How long is that gonna run for? Like, you really do wanna know up front, don't you? So just do it like this. 
12 volts times 200 amp hours is 2400 watt hours. Divide it by the 500 watts for your concrete mixer, it gives you 4.8 hours or about four and three quarter hours, okay? A few caveats on that. The rating on your concrete mixer of 500 watts, that means when it's working as hard as it's gonna work. So it's usually not working that hard because you're either shoveling stuff into it or it's just idling a little bit while you're in between pours or something or you got it shut down. This is when it's turning and burning as hard as it can turn and burn. But it gives you a picture of the likely endurance. And what you need to do if you're going out there to do whatever it is you're going out there to do is this kind of analysis for all the kinds of things that you're gonna use out there and then you will know unequivocally how big your system needs to be. Okay, so they talk about all these different modes of operation with batteries. They talk about it with EVs and plug-in hybrids as well. They talk about charge and discharge cycles and things of that nature. And that might not make intuitive sense, okay? Discharge is when you're using the battery to do some work, okay? To put the lights on or to cook the rice or boil the jug or run the concrete mixer or whatever it is you're doing, you are discharging the battery. So. In a modern system, that works like this. You've got your lithium iron phosphate battery, which is a DC source of electricity. And it goes to an inverter, which is a magic box of electronic wizardry that converts DC at some voltage into AC at another voltage. In the case of the installations we're talking about, it turns whatever the voltage of the battery is. It doesn't have to be 12 volt, it can be quite high voltage but it can turn it into 240 volt pure sine wave AC power, like you get out of the power point at home. And then you plug it in to the load, which is the appliance or appliances that you're running. So if you come across all these terms like the inverter and the load and the supply and charge and discharge, this is what that means. And then on the other side of it, of course, you've got to recharge the battery when it gets flat. There's two probable modes for the kinds of recharging that we're talking about here. There's photovoltaics, like solar cells, okay? And in that case, your solar cell supplies DC electricity. And as long as it's above the threshold required to recharge the battery in your system, then it'll just plug straight on. It's really simple. It's just like jump-starting a car, only the battery, in inverted commas, that you're using for the jump-starting is a photovoltaic panel, a solar cell, all right? Just go straight on, no voodoo required, although the thing that's going on inside the photovoltaic cell, that is pretty much voodoo. Hashtag quantum mechanics. Okay, the other way you can do this and recharge a battery is with a wall outlet. Shocking, I know. But then what you've got to do is you've got to change 240 volts of AC into appropriate DC voltage to go into the battery. Okay, and what you do is you put it through a box like the wall box that comes with just about every electronic device, right? And it's just a magic little box that transforms and rectifies the AC and turns it into DC at the right voltage. So when you get the power brick that you plug into your laptop, that's what the brick is doing. It's taking the AC and it's changing the voltage and turning it into DC so that it's just right to run the battery. This is extremely confusing for people who spent their physics lectures asleep, okay? It's confusing out in the domain of engines, 
like power and torque is roughly analogous to the power and energy that we're going to talk about here, all right? Power and energy are different things. I always have to have a little giggle when I get my power bill because what they're really billing you for is the friggin' energy. They don't care how much power you use, which is really how quickly you use the energy. They just care how much of it you drink. You're really getting an energy bill when you get a bill from your... You, you, <laughs> from your utility company. Get it right, dude. Stop smoking glue. It works like this. The easiest analogy I can come up with to differentiate between power and energy for ordinary people who really didn't care about physics is that power is how fast you take the water out of a tank. It's like if you're firefighting and you use a really powerful pump, it will drain the tank quickly, okay? And energy is how big is the tank, dude? They're different things. And you need both in your system to power your life off the grid, right? You need a power delivery system that meets your needs and you need enough energy to do it for sufficient duration. We'll get into that in a minute. But power is essentially the size of the pipe, right? That the water comes out of, how quickly it's coming out. All right. It's roughly analogous to the size of the inverter. How quickly can it deliver 240 volts? Is it going to give you 1,000 watts or 2,000 or 5,000 or whatever? Okay. It's also a little bit dependent on the delivery capacity of the battery because you don't want to put a tiny battery with a big inverter because the battery will have to discharge itself too quickly. And friggin' cats and dogs living together when that happens, you can actually overheat the battery and in extreme situations cause a catastrophic thermal runaway. And I really think we'd like to avoid that, don't you? So here's an example of how you might just put that new knowledge together and figure out how big a battery system you need in your life, battery and inverter system. Let's say you've got some very basic things that you want to run with electricity. It could be some LED lights for your campsite, let's say total of 100 watts, and you want to do that for six hours. And then you want to recharge your flat laptop, and that's going to be 100 watts for two hours, let's say, to do that. You've got an angle grinder, you want to do some work out there on whatever's fallen apart in the boonies, 700 watts, but you're probably only going to use your angle grinder for, I don't know, 30 minutes or something to cut some bits of steel up to weld them or to clean up something with a wire wheel, whatever it is that you're doing. And you might get thirsty, mightn't you? So you might want to boil your water for a cup of tea. Your electric jug is going to be like 2000 watts. But even if you boil it three times, you're really only going to use it for 15 minutes. Yeah. And you might want to recharge some of your power tools as well, like an electric drill or something of that nature, right? And I'd suggest that the recharge current and um, power energy requirements for that are going to be quite kind of trivial in comparison to these other things. So we'll just leave that off to one side and say maybe we'll just round it up when we know what the number is, okay? So pretty clearly the maximum power you're going to need here is 2,000 watts. That's the size of the pipe. Because when you put the jug on, dude, it's going to be a big demand. And unless the pipe can supply that demand, that is going to trip the system or it's just going to fail to work. Okay? And that's a big deal. Okay? That's the power requirement is limited by whichever one of these is the biggest number, no matter how briefly you might want to use them for. And the other thing you might 
want to be aware of is the surge capacity of inverters because a lot of appliances, angle grinders, for example, do this all the time. Fridges do it as well. When they click on, there's a huge or a comparatively large draw. Initially, in the case of an angle grinder, it's because you've got a disc that has mass and it's stationary and it's suddenly revving up to a bazillion RPM and it requires a lot of power to do that. Not so much just to keep it spinning. Okay, so there's a surge capacity on inverters and then there's a steady state maximum power draw capacity. The surge capacity typically tends to be about double what the notional steady state running capacity of the inverter is. Okay, now the thing you want to do here is also figure out how big a battery you need to do all of that. So you get 100 times 6, 100 watts times 6 hours is 600 watt hours for the lights. You do the same thing here and here and here and here, and you end up with 1,650 watt hours. And if you want to know, if you want to do it with a 12 volt battery, divide by 12, and you get 140 amp hours. So you could probably get away with 150 amp hours in the battery, why not make it 200 and then whatever you add later, your trivial battery recharging assignment or anything else that you might think, oh, that might be a good idea, then you'll have the capacity in the system to do that, provided it's not more than 2,000 watts. But you might want to think also that maybe there's another way to just get some boiling water. You could use a little gas burner or something, and then you wouldn't need nearly as much power. You could get away with a 1000 watt inverter as opposed to a 2000 watt inverter if you just took this out of the equation and just keep the battery the same basically because not all that much energy in the total context is used here but it's a very powerful device. Get what I mean about the difference between power and energy? Every time I do something like this one of you says well why not just get a generator it's going to be heaps cheaper and yeah it is. But generators are not the same thing. They have advantages and disadvantages. And I'd be the first person to say that not everyone wants a battery type solid state system. That's not the best solution for everyone. For some people, a generator is going to rock. For some people, it's not. Okay, so it's advantages and disadvantages and what suits you best. What's going to do what you need best, what's going to do what you want best. The big advantage of all solid state battery systems is they're pretty quiet. They're silent, basically. So if you want to camp overnight and run a fan or something of that nature and you've just got a generator, then you're going to have the generator running in the background all friggin' night, which is kind of not why you went to get away from it all in the first place, right? So there's that. And with a generator, I know it's going to be cheaper, but you're going to have to carry petrol. And you're probably driving a diesel vehicle if you're doing this stuff a lot. So it's an extra fuel that you've got to carry, and it's dangerous. It's particularly dangerous in the boonies when humidity is low, and it's the middle of the night, you might be tired and not really thinking straight. If you go to refuel the generator in conditions like that, it can be very dangerous indeed. You have to manage your exposure to static electricity, and you have to remember that you are going to be hours, potentially, from the nearest paramedical intervention if something goes wrong. And even if you just spark up the petrol and you don't have a medical emergency, you can start a fire that consumes the vehicle or the van and 
that can leave you stranded in the middle of nowhere with no communications and no support, no nothing. That's very serious as well. So there's that to consider. You absolutely get more power and energy per dollar with a generator. They tend to be less reliable over time. You know, they get to be really dodgy. People hang on to them forever. Obviously, you don't have to. They're not that expensive to replace. But if you've got this dodgy generator, then you're going to be spending a lot of time cursing and pulling the recoil starter and the air's going to turn blue and you're supposed to be having a nice time out there, aren't you? And for this reason, they're generally more of a pain in the ass in service, I'd suggest. This is kind of interesting and somewhat counterintuitive because I know a lot of sort of glamping types with their big six-figure caravans that you want a ceramic cooktop or an inductive cooktop or things of this nature and you want to do it with batteries and solar because green or whatever. That's not a good fit in my view, okay? I would suggest that it's a really good idea to cook with gas and do everything else with a battery because so much of the cooking process is dependent on heating up water and keeping it boiling, like simmering, boiling, heating up. And water is this magic material. It really is. It's prolific, so we don't spend enough time thanking it for the fine work it does in heat transfer. But water's got this incredible specific heat. It's 4.18 kilojoules per uh, kilo per degree C of temperature rise and people go what does that mean it means you need to pump a shitload of heat into water and even when you do you only get a relatively small incremental change in temperature over time you need to have a lot of energy to do this okay so to boil one liter of water I was just mucking around with the uh, uh, with the numbers on that you need 360 kilojoules, depending on what temperature it starts at. If you start about 15 and go to 100, it's going to take about 360 kilojoules to do that. That's another unit of energy. You can convert directly between kilojoules and watt hours. 360 kilojoules is 100 watt hours of energy. So if you boil one liter of water throughout the day, if you do it four or five times to make coffee or tea or something, we're talking about 500 watt hours, which is a quarter of the capacity of a Blue Eddy AC200 Max. That's a hell of a lot of the stored energy on board, right? Um, if you want to boil four liters of water, which is common for things like cooking rice or pasta or something of that nature, and then simmer it for 15 minutes, that's going to take like as much maybe as 1,000 watt hours of energy, which is half the capacity of the big fat Bluetti. And for this reason, I'd suggest cook with gas, dude, because gas is cheap and there's so much energy in hydrocarbons, right? Gas is LPG, right? So it's propane, essentially, in Australia. And that's 50 megajoules for every kilo of propane. Okay, and you've got nine kilos of it, which is 450 friggin' megajoules. You're drowning in energy with a gas bottle. And that's like 125,000 watt hours of energy. Like, Jesus. It's like having 62 AC200 maxes, one gas bottle, right? So when you're converting, when you're deriving energy as heat for cooking, for anything involving heat, basically, use gas because gas is cheap and there's so much energy in it. It's not all that easy to turn gas into electricity, however, like it is if you've got a power station, you can run it on gas, but 
at the scale of a caravan or camping or boating or, you know, working on site in the boonies, it's not easy to get a gas bottle and electricity out the other side, right? It's just not because it's hard to build a boiler and a turbine and messing with superheated steam, very tricky in the world of DIY. So for all these reasons, cooking is ideally suited to gas no matter how much you might want to do it with electricity philosophically, right? Just suck it up like a big boy or a big girl and go with gas for cooking and use electricity for everything else. You can get away with a battery for just about everything else. I would say, however, that these big air conditioners in caravans, they're often rated at three and a half kilowatts, right? So you'd need a hell of a big battery to run them for any substantial length of time, like eight hours, which would be how long you want to be in the van asleep, I'd assume. So for all these reasons, you know, you might want to just ramp back the air conditioner just a little bit or reserve that for the times when you're at a campground and you can plug into uh, the, the grid, right? Every other thing else you can do with battery, like you can run your power tools and you can run lighting and you can recharge your electronics and do that camp life thing. You can do that with a battery, but dude, cook with gas. <laughs> Now, if you're in need of remote power, one of the ways to get what you want is to buy individual components and then DIY it or get someone in the aftermarket industry to put something together for you based on components that they've tested and which seem to work for them. I'd say DIY is fun. There's a sense of satisfaction orbiting successful DIY projects. There's no doubt about that. But in the case of this kind of thing, there's also a potential dark side that you would be a goose not to acknowledge the existence of, right? You are dealing with rather a lot of stored energy, and if your setup fails in some way, it could be an outright disaster, which consumes a six-figure vehicle and a six-figure van or boat because of the energy. And that would be a suboptimal solution, wouldn't it? See, the thing about DIY is that everything you build is ultimately a prototype unless you've got way too much spare time. The product you build would always be better if you did it a second time, and it would be better again if you went for round three. So this is hardly ideal, especially with something complex and serious like this. And frankly, unless you have high-level electrical fitting skills, I'd be paying someone qualified to install this kind of thing if I were you. I guess you could have it installed in some kind of enclosure if you really wanted portability, but it's far more likely I'd suggest that this kind of installation will be hardwired into a vehicle or a van and there goes the portability which you might otherwise have benefited from. Now, on price, okay, I did some quick scratching around this morning and a battery like that one, just there, 2,400 watt hours, 12 volts times 200 amp hours, 900 bucks, lithium iron phosphate chemistry. And an inverter like this one, 2,000 watts, 1,200 bucks. Just those two components, okay, $2,100 in total. And we haven't installed it yet or added the same power outlet options as the AC 200 Max, the charge pads, the five USBs, the three more GPOs, the 12 volt DC. 
nor have we added the charging options from the grid and or solar. Now, don't get me wrong, these look like high quality components and it is absolutely not my intention to rubbish them, not at all. This kind of thing, it's the skeleton of a viable solution for some people, but the end result is going to be characteristically very different. In the domain of pragmatism on price, I fail to see how you could DIY a setup that's roughly equivalent to the AC200 Max using quality off-the-shelf components for less than about three grand, and it would not be portable or easily expandable or frankly, nearly as well integrated. So on that basis, I think you can see why I kind of lean towards these Bluetti remote power solutions. They just work out of the box, and now you can expand them if you just need a bigger tank, as it were. The one thing I would suggest, and this is the safety PSA I promised right at the start of this video, with any 240 volt AC off-grid power supply, you are dealing with real electricity. It can kill you, just like the wall outlet at home, only more easily because you will be using it at times in more potentially dangerous environments. So you need to take all appropriate electrical safety precautions. It's not a joke, dude. Water and electricity, for example, bad combination. Extension cords and campsites, a heavy dew in the morning, bare feet, wet hands, salt spray in a boat, typical construction site hazards. If you're building that shed out the back, it all makes you a more effective conduction pathway to Earth. That's bad. So you need to remember to unplug at the outlet, dry your hands, wear proper footwear, and make sure you are protected by a core balance relay as close to the supply as possible. An RCD, safety switch, whatever you want to call it, dude. That thing that measures the active neutral core balance and trips fast if it detects imbalance, which typically means earth leakage, potentially through you. Clipsal, for example, does this fairly neat high-vis box with four outlets and RCD protection, and you get change out of 200 bucks for it pretty cheap insurance. Could be a great investment in you not waking up dead after having just a little too much fun out in the boonies. I think we all want that. Equally useful if you choose to use a petrol generator. Make sure there are at least as many systematic protections in place for you out there as you get at home. And even then, dude, just don't get cavalier about it. This is real electricity, which is potentially a very real health hazard.